Well, hello and welcome back to Two Kinky Women, the podcast where we dish all about everything kink. We are open to almost every conversation having to do with kink. What we will not discuss is crimes against children and crimes against animals or illegal crimes of any kind. We will not discuss those. I'm Midnight Lady, and my partner in crime is Mistress Gabrielle. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to our podcast today. We've got a great one coming up for you. This is a big issue, and uh, it definitely bears uh, talking about. And um, our topic today is S&M and abuse. What's the difference? We are going to welcome questions, comments. We need to hear what you have to say about this very, very important topic. So send those questions and comments to tkw at twokinkywomen.com. And of course, by now you know the two in Two Kinky Women is a numeric two. Um, Also, we want you to join our email newsletter and get your free downloadable beginner's guide to kink. That is, if you're a beginner. If you're not a beginner, we got something else for you. Don't worry. We've always got something. Um, join the email newsletter by writing to twokinkywomen.com. Again, the two is numeric. So that's our topic today. S&M and abuse. What's the difference? Okay, I think we should go right into it. <clears throat> Let's discuss, just for the beginners for a moment, our terminology, two terms, sadism and masochism. So why don't you go into what those are? My pleasure. Sadism. What is a sadist? What is sadism? Well, a sadist derives pleasure, especially sexual gratification, from inflicting pain, suffering, or humiliation. And on the other hand, masochism is the person or the act of deriving pleasure, especially sexual gratification, from one's own pain or humiliation. The person who gets the sexual gratification from having pain, suffering, or humiliation inflicted upon them. Those are the classic definitions of sadist and masochist. Sometimes we say, oh, this person is really a sadist. We're describing our boss in the office and what a son of a bitch he is. But that's not what we're talking about today. What we're talking about is whether or not we can determine the difference between S&M and abuse. And uh, that's what we're going to do. Okay, I think obviously the huge fundamental difference is the issue of consent. Consent opens the door to doing the acts and the things that we want to do, even if they are sadistic or masochistic, whatever part of the spectrum you are on. And you can be a switch like I am, where I'm sadist and a masochist. I'm a top and a bottom. I do uh, both things. I'm, I, I like to refer to myself as greedy. I like everything. I like to do it all. Try it all. See what I like. Um, so let's go into uh, what is safe, sane, and consensual. So safe is being knowledgeable about the techniques and the safety concerns involved in what you're doing. Safe. How 
safe are you? Um, if you're going to do fire play, you obviously have to be safe. You have to be in the right environment. You have to have a fire extinguisher, different things that, you know, to be safe. If you're doing blood play, you have to know how to do blood play, uh, sterilization, uh, first aid, you know. It, it doesn't even have to be something like that. If you are doing caning, you have to know that this cane is going to be traveling so many miles per hour and it, you have to hit it at the right place. You don't want to hit a kidney. You don't want to hit a, um, the back too far down, too high up. You can, you can crush their um, coccyx bone. You can wrap. You can wrap the cane so fast that it wraps around. You could break a hip. So there's lots of things that you need to know about safety. Sane. Sane is knowing the difference between fantasy and reality. You can, you may have a fantasy about um, cutting off someone's hand. There, uh, that may be your fantasy. You are obviously not going to do that because that would harm the other person. There are things, fantasies that you can make feel real, but so you have to know the difference between the fantasy and the reality. And then lastly is consensual. It's respecting the limits imposed by each participant. The top has limits. The bottom has limits. And when you consent together, you are creating the scene. And, and the bottom is not going to ask the top to do something it can't do and vice versa. So that's consensual. And it's most easily recognized uh, to maintain the limits is to use a safe word and Tops can have safe words too, because if the bottom is responding in a way that the top didn't anticipate or something else is going on in the scene, safe words aren't just for the bottom. The safe words are for the top as well. Um, and either participant can withdraw their consent at any time. You um, always have the right to set limits. Set limits. With, and just because you consented to an act once two weeks ago does not mean you automatically consented to the same act at the next party. Consent is given every single time you play, regardless of how many times you've played with that person and regardless of how many times you have consented. It, it's not an automatic one size, one consent for the rest of your life. You, you can, can revoke consent at absolutely, any time. Absolutely, at any right. time. Even in the middle of the scene, you can, re right then and there in the middle of the scene, you can revoke it. So then uh, I'm going to leave it over to you to discuss your risk-aware kink. Right. We like to call um, uh, risk-aware consensual kink RAC, and it's an, an acronym that has uh, become very popular in uh, the past several years. And what it essentially means is you must be aware, both players, both people involved in it, okay, must be aware uh, about of the potential risks involved in the play that you do. You gave an example a minute ago or so about fire play. When we talk about something like fire play, first of all, people who do those kinds of things have to be experienced. But as experienced as you might be, having learned from a master of fire play, something can always go wrong. So 
you must be aware of the risks involved in playing a particular type of scene. Uh, electrostimulation is another one. Uh, breath play is another one. Risk aware means there are very possible um, repercussions coming out of this kind of play. You have to be aware of what those repercussions might be. They can lead to injury. They can lead to very, very serious injury. Sometimes it can lead to death. The idea being risk-aware, consensual kink, discuss it ahead of time, be aware of what it is, and set certain limits. Going to do fire play? Got to have a fire extinguisher. Going to do fire play? Need a couple of people around you who are essentially uh, non-participants in your scene should something go wrong. The blanket they are holding will get rid of any kind of um, uh, flames, for example. Risk-aware consensual kink refers to the consent that is given based on the negotiation and, again, limits and safe words, okay? Always, when players understand potential risks involved in certain BDSM activities, Mm. then they can give informed consent. I do, however, want to mention something here, which is this is a very murky area of the law. Mm, yes. Okay, it's murky. And the reason I say it's murky is because a person cannot consent to being uh, harmed. A person cannot consent to um, uh, being physically beat up. A person cannot consent to being um, uh, thrown into, uh, say, for example, a trunk of a car tied up, okay? The law says, no, you can't consent to these kinds of things. Even if they do consent to a staged, pre-negotiated kidnapping scene. Right. So there's a lot of uh, stuff going on. And has been for quite a while about this particular point. Now, society's changing in terms of how it looks at um, a safe, sane, and consensual events between consenting adults. Uh, again, I hate to keep mentioning uh, uh, this particular <laughs> book and movie, but it's the truth. Since this has come about, it's become more uh, of, of, of an aware topic. Mm-hmm. Um, and things are changing. Definitely things are changing. Um, psychologists, uh, psychiatrists no longer consider the practice of um, a BDSM as uh, a mental illness. It is now considered Woo-hoo! something that <laughs> something is something is done within the context of a, of a relationship, a so, sexual relationship. So, how so we have to parse out we have to define for vanilla people the, the difference between what they think looks like abuse and what is abuse what is That's, the textbook or the legal definition right. of abuse so i think we should look at like first we need to define like the standard definition of abuse Right. Because as you point out, the pub, to the public, S&M does look like abuse. And um, for a very, very long time, feminists in particularly, 
uh, were very down on the act of uh, on the acts of uh, BDSM because it looked like women were being uh, abused within mm-hmm. that within that context. So to the public, S and M does look like abuse, but um, again. Uh, we can we can very uh, uh, very much emphasize consent. An abused person cannot stop what's happening. Yep. Okay. Uh, if you're in a scene, you want to stop it. You stop it. It's gone too far. You use your safe word, whatever it happens to be, and you stop it. Abuse is 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 about a, a, a breach of trust. And one of the things that we do in the scene is we trust each other. Players. Uh, partners, we trust each other. Uh, an out-of-control situation is abuse. Okay, A situation that has been negotiated and has uh, safe words and limits uh, is not out of control. It can always be stopped. You have the right to set limits. Um, what we do also in terms of uh, a, a BDSM relationship is not coercive. That's an important um, mm-hmm. word, coercive, because to coerce somebody is not a respect for their limits and um, their and their their state of mind. You should never coerce someone to give their consent. Then that's not consent. That's the definition of coercive. Right. Um, and abuse is, is, is not negotiated. What we do is always negotiate, or at least it should be negotiated. Abuse is not negotiated. So then you have your standards, uh, your general standards of abuse. So sometimes, though, abuse can look like, uh, S&M can look like abuse, but it's really a pre-negotiated scene where, you know, you could say abuse is... You don't let the other person talk to someone else. You you keep them very close and you don't let them talk to anybody else. Well, you could have a very specific set scene. When we're at the munch, you're not allowed to talk to anybody the entire time we're at the munch. For those two hours, anybody can say hi to you, but you are not allowed to talk to them. That might look like abuse, but it has been a pre-negotiated pre-consented, specified block of time where this is not going to happen or going to happen, whatever the case, whatever your scene entails. So a lot of times it does look like abuse and it might even look like abuse as a kinky person who's like, well, isn't that shitty? He won't let her talk to me. And then I because I'm knowledgeable, and I I went up and I said, why isn't she allowed to talk to me? Oh, we're doing this thing. We're doing a scene, and and she's not allowed to talk for the munch. I was like, oh, that's really interesting. That's really cool. Whereas I could have had a feeling about it and then reported him, or I went and asked more questions and said, oh, that's really interesting. And then after the munch was over, the next munch, she was able to talk to me because they weren't doing that scene again. So, so they had set uh, uh, boundaries. Yes. Prior to it to was this all negotiated, scene. and that's something that um, uh, dominance and submissives can do. 
Um, I was at a, a, a big party one night and saw somebody I had played with years before and so happy to see him. Hadn't seen him ages. I ran up to him. Hey, Jim, how are you? God, it's great to see you. And it's like he stood there stone-faced. And I was like, Jim, are you okay? And finally, he said to me, I'm sorry, I can't speak to you. I have been instructed not to engage in any conversation tonight. I said, whoa, I'm sorry I made you speak. Okay, and I walked away. When I saw him the next time, it was like, gee, sorry about that, but I was in the middle of a thing, and uh, I, I had to. And in fact, I was punished for telling you what was going on. Oh, okay, I got it. He said, but it sure was interesting, wasn't it? And I said, yeah, it was. So, so we need to look at now the kink standard of abuse. We, that's where we need to, to focus on. So the kink standard, what we've called kink standard right. of abuse, is someone who ignores your safe words. Someone who flies right past your safe word. Or someone who coerces you. And not a sexy, pre-negotiated, erotic way, but does it in a way that you feel afraid. Um, and not seen afraid, erotically afraid, but physically afraid. And so you, they coerce you into saying yes when you would have said no. That is abuse. That can be termed as abuse. Or they tell you, you don't need a safe word with me. I'm good. You're good. We don't need a safe word. Anyone that tells you you don't need a safe word, run. That is not a safe player for you. That is someone who's looking to do something else that we're going to get into in a little bit. Now, one of my favorite, I should say favorite, one of my most hated statements. Well, if you were a good slave... You would do it. Talk about the guilt, huh? Catholic Italian mother. Yeah, the guilt. <laughs> the guilt will get you every time. If you were good, if you were really and a if slave. If you were really a good really slave. Really a slave. A really right. slave for right. me, you would do it. Right. Because I want it and you don't want it. Right. So, again, that's coercion. That's guilt. That's, that's, those are not the kind of people you want to play with. Those are... Standards of abuse. We and we're a very tight knit community. When you, when someone does not respect your boundaries, again, you always have the right to set limits. And when someone does not respect your boundaries, then that's a wake up call. Yes. So let's talk about. So we've been harping about consent. Right. Let's talk about consent gone wrong. I have a a very short story. Uh, what happened? One of my friends, Tim, was doing a scene where he consented to be whipped by this very femdom, uh, very big in the scene, well-known nationally uh, in the scene, um, with a bullwhip. She tore his back up. And I'm sitting there watching this scene. I was relatively new, only a couple of years into, the, into my lifestyle experience. And she just tore, she whipped his bloody. Yeah, as bloody. it turns out, I was there too. Yes. We just found this out. But I was watching it too, and I was, uh, uh, I was taken aback. Oh. I oh. really was. 
It, it was quite graphic, shall we say. It was right. very graphic. But disturbing. he consented to play with her. He, and he, he absolutely. To be and I was friends with him. And I, after the scene, I, I walked up to him. I said, are you okay? I said, have you seen your back? He's like, yeah, I, I know. I, I, I didn't uh, realize that that was go- I didn't know that that was going to happen. I didn't know she was going to go that far. He was so far in subspace that he was not making good decisions for himself at that point. Uh, and as the dominant, she had an utmost responsibility to take and make decisions for him in his best interest in the safety of that scene. And But I can understand because I have done that when I've played with my husband. I... Get that paddling, and I want more and more and more. And, and I'm asking for more. I'm begging for more. And he's like, no, you're done. I'm like, no, 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 I want more. I want more. No, 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 you're done. Trust me, you're done. And she did not do that. She, at the first moment she drew blood, if that was not negotiated, we understand risk happens, things happen. She absolutely should have yellowed the scene, slowed down, checked in with him and saying, got a little bit of bloody on your back, a little bit of stripe there. We did not negotiate that. How do you feel about that? Do you want to stop? Do you want to back up? Maybe a little bit lighter. Don't break the skin. None of that happened. She went hog wild on this guy. And it turns out he consented to play he did not consent to be have his back scarred and bloodied and in that situation I think both parties were wrong both parties did not negotiate did not communicate he should have said yes I agree to be whipped but no I don't agree to be bloodied so uh, that's where consent is so murky. It's so unbelievably murky and things happen and it's just bleh, It's you true. Know. Sometimes um, the dominant uh, partner in, in the play uh, needs to put the brakes on a masochist. Yes. Okay. I mean, what is, what is a masochist again? It's deriving pleasure, especially sexual gratification from one's own pain. But sometimes it's the dominant's job to put the brakes on yes, that masochist absolutely. because things can happen that now are out of control. And once something is out of control, it's abuse. It, it becomes abuse. It becomes abuse. I remember I did a scene with Bob Deegan back in the 90s. Oh, Bob Deegan. I remember Back in the Bob. late 90s. Right. I know. I'm really old. But back in the late 90s, uh, Bob Deegan was the shit. He really was. He, he really was, was the shit. He had a national reputation, if I remember And correctly. he was the single tail, like, God. Right. You know, and if you got a chance and somehow you got on his list of gorgeous women to play with, um, you were like, you know, that was like you had won the lottery and, and that was it. So we had... We had done a couple of scenes, like, earlier, and they were great. And then we saw him in another party, like, a year later, and we, I was like, oh, 
Bob wants to play again. I said, Bob Deegan. You know, I was like, starstruck. And so he, he, you know, strings me up and and he's, he's playing, he's whipping me and it's wrong. It's all wrong. Now, this was in a public This was a public play party, big event, Uh hundreds of people. You know, we're not talking like a house party. This was people watching you guys. Now he has a reputation, national reputation. So people are going to watch him play no matter who's playing with. He's playing with. And, and this, this is Bob Deegan. This is, you know. And, and but it's all wrong. It's all everything about it was wrong. I wasn't feeling sexy. wasn't feeling erotic. It wasn't feeling. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it abuse per se, but everything was wrong about it. And so in that moment, I'm terrified now because I don't know what to do. I'm stuck in this this scene. I'm stuck in this situation. I faked an asthma attack because. I didn't want to stop the scene because then he'd be like, well, why are you stopping the scene? You know? And I didn't want to embarrass him. I didn't want to embarrass myself. I was new. And this was like this God, you know? And so I faked an asthma attack. And afterwards, my boyfriend came up to me and said, are you okay? Because that was no asthma attack I've ever seen you have. I was like, no, I... I faked it because I had to get out of the scene and I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the tools to be authentic to myself and say, Red, Red, this isn't working for me. Um, no reason, you know, I don't know why. It's just not working for me. I didn't have those tools at that time because it was so new and so green and I was so enamored by this, this, person that was so well known and and so when you still had the wherewithal in that moment to stop it because i knew it was wrong because being in a scene where you were not um getting what it was you had negotiated and you were afraid that it was going to deteriorate further you took the responsibility to stop that scene yes absolutely Absolutely. Uh-huh. The, the, I had to, because in that moment, I said, this is not right. I know what right feels right. like. Okay. It had been a couple of years in the scene. So even if you're, you're, you're playing with a player, yes. with a nationally known player, yes. uh, you know, uh, uh, a BDSM star, you can stop it. You can stop it. You can stop it. And now that I look back on it, I wish I had been more authentic. Uh-huh to myself uh, and stopped it without having to fake an asthma attack. Um, but if that is the only way I got out of it, then then as long as you got out of it, it is the, you know, at, the, at that point, as long as you got out of it and you, and interestingly enough, I found out a couple of hours later that he was in the midst of a divorce. Um, he was uh, separated. He was in a bad space. And so much of what we do is chemistry and intent and that exchange between two people. And I think that he was angry, not at me per se, but it may be women in general, maybe his recently separated wife there was energy there that that was not coming across 
as a safe player in that moment. Because we had played many times before, and it, every single time was like red hot, gorgeous, yeah. sexy. Not this time. He it's was important, in a space. I think, also for a dominant uh, as well to say now is not a good time for me to play. I mean, even if you are a star in the scene, yeah. now is yeah. not a good time for me. Um, it's just not something um, I feel comfortable doing. Uh, reputation be damned. But um, um, and some people, some people are are aware enough not to play when they're in bad headspace. The same thing. What it reminds me of is is again abusive situation. Many many times, if not ninety nine percent of the time, we're talking about um, uh, alcohol and other drugs being involved in abusive situations. When we play, one of the ways that we can try to avoid. Uh, getting into uh, abuse is we do not use any kind of stimulants mm-hmm. before we play, yep. or at least it's not approved. I'm sure plenty of people do it, uh, but not in my circle. That's for sure. No alcohol, no weed, none of that kind of stuff. You have to be a hundred percent there in the moment, okay? And it's it, you know it's a commitment you're making to the play partner. All right, I'm going to give you um, a healthy individual who knows what's going on, okay? Um, I'm not going to suspend you or tie you with rope, uh, not um, cognizant of the fact uh, I don't have all my faculties and something could go wrong. Not good, okay? And it can turn into an abusive situation. But you'll see that in... Uh, domestic life outside of the BDSM community, a lot of the times those substances have a lot to do with it. Substance abuse can really precipitate uh, some awful kinds of abuse, and that's something uh, that we don't do, or at least it's not acceptable. When you go to big events and parties, you mm. go to dungeon parties, play parties, people are not drinking. Generally, no. Generally, Generally, no. are not drinking. And uh, because of, like, liquor laws and things of that nature, you can't have naked people with alcohol in the same, um, in the same venue, in the same environment. For, and those are the big events. You know, they will, there is never, ever um, that sort of, you know, a bar at the kink event. Right. Um Something else. So when I had that experience with Bob Deegan and the energy that he was bringing was not a wholesome energy. He was looking to punish someone, I think. He was angry about his separation, his divorce. And they, he, he took his reputation and used it for ill, for 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 what I felt was ill game. Um, And unfortunately, well, fortunately, the kink community is inclusive and we accept everybody. We accept everybody. The, everybody, the furries, the the ponies, the cross-dressers, the cis, everybody. Because we are so open. But the other thing we are is, besides inclusive, is we are very... um, Word of mouth. If you get a bad reputation, people will find out about it because we're very safe people. We're very, very safe 
in how we play and how we deal with other people. And so safety is paramount, not just our physical safety, knowing how to whip and fire and cane and this and that, but also like emotional safety. And abusers gravitate to the scene because they are looking for their next victim. They're shopping for their next victim because they think, they come into it and they think, ah, these women, I could just pick them like fruit off of a vine. And they'll do anything. And they'll do anything I say. Um, And so we talk. We talk to each other about good players, unsafe players, dangerous players. And I remember I was I was friends with this woman at a munch. And she's telling me all of this stuff about what she does with her boyfriend and and how her, her boyfriend doesn't let her have any friends and her boyfriend doesn't let her, you know well, I have her like have a relationship with her family and well he's my master and, and I have to I have to do what he says. And I'm like, girl you do not have to do what he says. Do you have to go along with everything said, your partner tells you to do? Absolutely no. not. No. And but I'm his like, no, no, you're not. You don't have to do that. Well, he's a boyfriend who's trying to make it right. sound like S and M and and DS relationships and power exchange. He. That's abuse. And you need help to get out of that. And you need help to get out of that. And the fact that he's labeling it S&M, I'm calling with my air quotes, labeling it S&M, labeling it BDSM and DS is bullshit. It's a smokescreen for I'm an abuser and I'm going to get away with it. So the interesting thing, though, is so she broke it off with him. And then he shows up at the next munch. And this other woman starts saying, oh, yeah, he's, he's really into me. And I said, girl, don't play with him. And I didn't even know this woman, but I knew him. And so I told her that this is who he was. And he got mad at me for telling her the truth about him. He said, what do you got about my business? And then I said, no, that's no, not in my watch. Not if I know about it. And the word gets out very quickly. Oh, very quickly. Uh, you're an unsafe player. Yes. The word gets out very quickly. Again, I want to uh, I, I want to emphasize that being kinky does not mean that you're automatically agreeing to being uh, anything slapped, choked, called names. Um, you do not have to go along with everything your partner tells you to do. You have the right. To set your own limits. Now, there are other issues or other circumstances, let's put it that way, that um, um, go further than what it is that we're talking about. And that's something called um, uh, consensual non-consent. It's another topic which we're going to bring up later on in our podcast series. But very briefly, what that is, is two experienced players, in my estimation, anyway. Two experienced players who know each other, have played, uh, are in uh, some sort of a relationship, being a deep friendship, or they can be live together partners, married, whatever the case may be. But they know each other well enough Mm -hmm. to give up consent knowingly. And generally speaking, that's not something for newbies. No. That is not something for newbies. And definitely not pick a play in the dungeon 
this this as we we like to call it um Dan Savage calls it varsity level kink edge play edge play right. things of that nature right so there is an occasion where for these acts for the for these acts or whatever but again they're not done lightly and people negotiate and set their limits and set their boundaries and they give consent for a certain number of those limits or boundaries or whatever the case may be to be lifted and that's for certain people. We're going to go into detail with that as we go on with our podcast series. But at this moment in time, no, you do not have to commit. So this this brings up a very interesting uh, topic, a very interesting consent. So when you have a master and a slave or a dominant and a, a submissive and you negotiate the scene, the sub the bottom says what they will do what they won't do that's their limits right who's really in charge of the scene then because the dominant is going to tell the submissive what to do and how it's going to be done and what's going to happen and but all of that is negotiated ahead of time so who's really in charge I like to have this conversation. I like to think the submissive is really in charge. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would I would tend to agree with that because it's the, the submissive who sets the limits and gives the consent and gives the consent. Of course, in a in like I was saying before, with uh, consensual non consent in a very long term intense relationship. Um, I have a boy who um, uh, I've been seeing uh, now for about I want to say six years but prior to that it was like 10 years so all in all I've known him for about 20 years um we we operate under consensual non-consent we know each other very well I know who he is he knows who I am he knows even with consensual non-consent I'm not going to harm him am I going to hurt him absolutely am I going (laughs) to harm him no way okay and there are things that I ask of him uh, to do under that rubric of consensual non-consent that are extremely exciting to both he and I. And that's, uh, that's, that's terrific. But I do also have to say that through um, you know, this, this power exchange, um, through consent and things along those lines, um, that's not the same sum, sum total of what it is to be kinky either. Okay, a masochist doesn't necessarily have to derive um, uh, sexual gratification from being punched, slapped, hit, uh, whipped, uh, tied up, etc. It can be verbal abuse as well, which can be a tremendous turn on to people. And the other thing, too, is it doesn't have to happen within the uh, confines of a dungeon or a play party. And kinky people are not required to wear all black leather either. <laughs> In other words, what you can do is you can make it your own. Okay? As long as you agree to it. All right. Now, people are going to get into trouble no matter what. Because not everybody out there is a nice guy or a nice gal. Let's face no. it. No. Okay. And, and as you were saying before, attracts. it attracts, it attracts uh, snakes. From, victimizers from victimizers from time to time particularly we're so open and and welcoming in the communities and if you go to an event everybody's walking around half naked and it's like you can do anything you want to these women well guess what you cannot 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the, I took a, a, a workshop. I took a demo. How to be a good sadist. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes a lot of the sadism and the masochism has to do with pain. But other times it's physical pain. But other times it could be emotional pain. Or even... Um, I use the word psychological. Psychological, psychological pain. pain. This right. one... The, I, and he was telling me this, this in this class that I took. He's like, well, I had one bottom who he wouldn't even touch him. He didn't want pain, but he was a germaphobe and could not stand germs. And for whatever reason, that was his kink, though. And he turned it into his kink. So what she, um, what she did was, he was, the professor was a man, but then he was relaying the story. So what she did was she peed all over the bathroom. Not just in the bowl, but like story. peed everywhere. And then she made him clean the bathroom with like no gloves or nothing. And she, he had to clean it, you know. And so that just was like, you know, awful for him because he was this huge germaphobe who now has to clean this, this filthy, disgusting bathroom. And you're thinking to yourself, well, what kind of scene is that? You know, but whatever your kink is. That's your kink. Go. And if you want to do that, they had a great time. And he hated loving every minute of it. You know, he loved hating every minute of it. You know, like, so it's just all pre-negotiated. And it's all, that's the difference. That's where it does not become abuse. Because if you had to make me, I, I live with two young, I live with two men. I, I, you know, I've cleaned my share of uh, messy bathrooms. Right. Um, and if that's your kink, then go hog wild with it, you know. It's interesting to me, going back to what you said a couple minutes ago, mainstream um, depictions of the kink world um, make it look like the uh, dominant or the top is always guiding, uh, not just guiding the scenario, but actually controlling the scenario. And the top where the dom, the dominant, is always in charge with the bottom or the submissive or the masochist waiving their right to say uh, no or waiving their right to reject any orders that the dominant gives them. But that's not how consensual kink works, okay? Uh, the person um, who is always the, the person who's the vulnerable party always gets to set the limits, in consensual kink, always. And the reason is, is because the vulnerable person, the person who is getting the treatment, as it were, is the one who's at risk. So that's the person who always gets to set the limits. Now, you cannot do that in a domestic abuse environment. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody comes home drunk after work and becomes violent and uh, uh, starts using you as a, as a punching bag. Is not allowing you now, to, to set any limits. I have to be fair, and, and because we're straight shooters here, it is, you know, a lot of times we we say that the male is the abuser and the female is the abused. Hardly. That is not always the case. Right. Many, many, many times, the woman is the abuser, 
and the man, you know, uh, the man is the one who is being abused. And it is entirely possible. My brother dated a woman that abused the shit out of him, abused to beat the shit out of him. Um, we ended up breaking up with her at some point, but, um, but that also, even though it's, you think male, uh, how can she abuse him? It does. It happens. It's abuse. And so there's, there's no lines that it doesn't cross. Socioeconomic lines, uh, kinky, gay, bi, straight, poly, you know, abuse permeates all of society. It's just, it's a fact of life. So recognizing what abuse is and what S&M is and how they're different, I think that's what we did here today. I think we we really able to parse out the finer complexities of consent. You could consent to something, but you didn't consent for it to go horribly wrong, like in the case of the whipping, or uh, in the case of my fake and asthma attack story. Yeah, well, when somebody, like the, the, the case of the whipping, when you were talking about your friend, friend uh, um, Tim, um, you know, when people often go into subspace, that's a mindset that's like equivalent to being drunk or high. Yes. And now the responsibility really is on the dominant, okay, to stop it. Like you were saying, you know, that when you play with your hubby, um, he knows you're done. You're done. Yeah. That's it. So there is definitely responsibility on both ends. And something that looks um, from the outside like just um, a, a heavily negotiated scene, like that whipping scene, can be abuse. So there are many... There are many particulars. Uh, the idea is, again, just because you consent to play does not mean you consent to everything. You always have the right to set limits. And safe, sane, and consensual is the way to do it. Yep. Uh, rack, uh, risk-aware, consensual kink is the way to do it. Yep. And once you are an experienced player and you know your partners, you know your your circle, then we can talk about um, uh, consensual non-consent. But at this moment in time, uh, knowing the difference between S and M and abuse is critical to playing, uh, enjoying, having fun. And recognizing when you are being abused. Absolutely. So that you can get help, get resources. Yeah. Because um, if you're afraid to say no, that's something a problem. is no good. That's a problem. And if you say yes to avoid conflict, that's a problem. Yeah. And reach out to your kink community. Like I said, we are a very tight-knit group of people. We care about e- each other. I have friends from my kink life lifelong friends lifelong friends so i think that wraps up this one for for today we talked a lot i think we got a lot done a lot well i think we defined our terms for the yes. vanilla public how they see it and we define our terms the way we see it within absolutely the scene. we know the difference between um safe sane and consensual uh, we know uh, what abuse is, what it looks like. We yeah. know what negotiation looks like. We know what safe words are. 
we know we have ultimately the responsibility, whether we're on the top or the bottom, to stop it if it goes wrong and starts moving into abuse territory. So in closing, we would love to hear from you. If you have questions or comments about what you've heard today, we love to reach out and, and give you answers and maybe even answer your questions on a future podcast. Each month, you can listen to us on many podcast players and on our homepage. Get your downloadable infographic that's available every month. You get a new infographic, and you can find that at twokinkywomenpodcast.com. That's two, the numeric two, kinkywomenpodcast.com. And we are Two Two Kinky Kinky Women. Women. And we want you to be kinky, too. Oh, yes, we do. Yeah, so be sure to check us out next month. We always release a new episode on the last day of each month. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye. Stay safe. See you next time. Bye-bye.